Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. Hey, 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 hello. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome. Welcome to the new group chat, Radical Change. I am your host, Vonda Page, and I'm so excited and happy once again to welcome my friend, my sister, my colleague, Alyssa Stan, uh, CEO of Insure Equality. And we're gonna continue our conversation that we started around can white women and black women be friends? And we're gonna get into that. But before that, for everyone celebrating anything, um, anywhere you are in the world, um, I wish you peace, I wish you love, I wish you happiness. I wish you joy. And as we go into a brand new year, I wish for all of us just the peace, love, and joy that we all deserve um, and that we really, really re need right now. So with that, um, hey, Alyssa, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Vonda. How are you? I am doing great. I am um, excited to continue our conversation. We've been having all of these uh, amazing discussions on and off of, you know, some different platforms. But, you know, we had a, an amazing conversation last week where we talked about, you know, um, what do interracial relationships look like, right, between women as friends and, and how to build and cultivate that. So we're going to continue that today. But even before, you know, we kind of pick that back up, for those of you who may not be, um, you know, familiar with me or, or the show or what we do here, but Living Corporate um, is a media network really dedicated to amplifying the voices and experiences of brown and black professionals in the workplace. Um, but not just, you know, talking about the, the, the problems and the issues and the challenges, but really, you know, looking at things in a holistic standpoint and really trying to elevate those conversations so that we can, you know, make some um, meaningful progress in this effort. And so this show, um, the group chat, uh, Radical Change, we really get into having conversations where we're talking not only around, you know, accountability for change, but we're talking about those actions that are really required to drive change. And so not only, you know, do I have amazing people like Alyssa on to talk with me, you know, about um, work that she's doing, work that we're doing together, and just have those, you know, thought-provoking um, and action-oriented conversations where we can actually give people information, um, some tools, techniques, resources, references, so that they have the opportunity to think about what they're hearing, what they're learning, what they understand, and then drive change and action in their own lives. So with that, 
Um, I think, and you tell me what you think, Alyssa, I think we had a really good conversation last week where we did come to the conclusion that, yeah, of course we can have, you know, um, interracial relationships with love and harmony and loyalty and, and true sisterhood between black and white women. But we also know, right, that it takes work. And we know that there are some inherent challenges like in any relationship. So if you think about, right, any relationship um, and, and how those relationships get uh, built and formed and how they get cultivated over time, what does that look like in general? And then we can kind of, you know, take it from there. Yeah. So if we're talking about just building relationships and friendships, I wouldn't steer away from how you built relationships and friendships when you were younger. You told a great story last time about how you were really good friends with this little white girl and you jumped rope together and you just built a relationship off of that. And I think inherently that's what it's about. Sometimes we can get into our heads about what relationships look like inside and outside of work. And we're trying to build superficiality around them because we want that closeness, that connection. But we have to get to the root. Like you and I have a very similar shared background experience, which is really the foundation that laid for both of us uh, this amazing relationship that we have now. Uh, you alluded to the fact that we talk all the time, um, whether it's a voice memo when we're not like actually chatting. We spent six hours together yesterday just talking about this and a few other projects that we have going on. But Something that we kind of broached last week was like boundaries and setting them with yourself. And we need to go probably a little deeper than that. And I said, this would be good advice for white bodied individuals. But you said, no, this is good for everybody. So that is, what is your relationship with yourself? And I'll ask two questions to get you thinking about it. These were questions that we wrote down beforehand and I'll post them in the chat. But really think about them and spend some time with them because I think it's key to understanding who you are and that's going to be key as you build relationships. So that first question is, who are you outside of the people that you love and the people that love you? So a lot of times because we spend so much time with our family or our friends or our group, we become a lot like those people because you emulate people you like or you just really like, I, you know, I'm sure there's words I've picked up from you that I really like and I've incorporated them into my vernacular. Um, but who are you outside of that? And then the second is, who would you be if you didn't care about their approval? Okay, so let's take them one at a time. So yes. ask that first question again and then put it in the chat and then let's let's talk about it. So if you ask a person who are they, right? And yes. I think about what what that question is really asking is what what makes up who that person is, right? Um and 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 then outside of who it is that I am intimately involved with, right? So if I'm young, it might be my parents. If I'm older, maybe it's my children. If I'm an empty nester or a single person, maybe it's my group or my club or my extended family. If I'm on a sports team, like, oh, like a professional sports team or something oh. like that, that's uh, like maybe part yeah. of it. So, so it sounds like, and you tell me what you think, that this is is more of a or not more of a, this is essentially 
a self-identification question in terms of understanding who you are in terms of your own value system um, and, and, and all of that. Is, is that what is, is where, where it fundamentally starts is who are you as a person? Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you, when I was younger and growing up, I feel like I had a good sense. And then as you kind of go to school, you get a job, all of a sudden there's these outside expectations and it becomes important to be perceived as who you think you should be, not necessarily who you are. And so I'll give a good example of this because I realized I had lost sense of myself when I started to fill out, you know, those questionnaires or um, tell us about yourself, like profiles. And I was going to go get my MBA because I knew I wanted it. And they had to fill this out. What are your hobbies? What are your skills? And I was looking at that page, Vonda, and I was drawing a complete blank. I was like, what do I like? Who am I? <laughs> you know, there was that inherent um, identity crisis of like, do I like long walks on the beach? Do I like reading? Does this list sound like everybody else's? Am I trying to impress people? And I think part of that is we suffocate the relationship with ourselves more than anything else because we're seeking that outside validation. And a true example of that was I told you the first time I started to really value myself and the relationship I have with me was the first time I bought something for myself that I just wanted because I grew up, you know, on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale, as we've talked about before. And so much of that kind of formed who I was and I would only buy things that were practical or that were for food. I didn't buy, you know, an outfit if I liked it. I bought it if it worked for work and outside. And the first thing I bought that I just wanted was a watch. And I will tell you, it unlocked something in me. So like, what is that one thing you would buy if you weren't worried about, you know, the practicality of it? Like, what is the you that's inside of you want? Or what is the thing you would do and try to achieve if you didn't give a crap about somebody telling you what or whatever? So you made me think about, so it was interesting you used the story about filling out, you know, your stuff for your MBA. Because when you asked the question, I immediately went to the youngest version of me and thinking about all the things I would have said, right? So I would have yes. said, I'm a singer. I would have said, I'm a comedian. I would have said, I'm a writer. I would have said, I'm a storyteller. I would have said, I'm a friend. You know, I would have said, like, I'm a helper. And so when I think about my friends, right, that I used to jump rope with, Dolores, right? And we used to also play hopscotch together. So if there were too many people yeah. jumping rope or they didn't want us to jump because they didn't want us to win, right? Bonda and Dolores, they didn't want Dolores. us to win, right? <laughs> so so we would just do hopscotch together because hardly anybody would ever be doing that. And while we would be practicing hopscotch, we'd be practicing jumping. So, you know, when you're jumping double dutch, right? And, and even if you're doing Irish or if you're doing four ropes or whatever, it's just jumping. So right. you could practice hopscotch and keep those same skills going. So if I think about me being a little girl and I think about outside of the people that I love, right? So the people I love, they were a lot of good singers in my family. That's how I learned how to sing. That's why my daughter is a singer, right? So that's kind of like, eh, that, that kind of almost doesn't count, right? Because it's kind of like, if you grow up in a family full of singers, 
the likelihood that you might be singing and like singing is 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 probable, right? But if I think about who I am as like a kind person or a loyal person or somebody that loves to learn, like I would be that whether I was around those people or not, right? I would have, I think I still would have fallen in love with music, even if my family wasn't a music, per, you know, family, because yeah. we had some great music in the seventies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yes. And so, and the music has only gotten better in my opinion over time, even though I like other old music too, like old classical music and all of that stuff, but helping people to get a sense of how do you start to say, who am I? If, if people haven't even gone there. And it was funny because on the voice memo, you said, we were just having a conversation. You said people need therapy. And that is true. And I'm laughing because I remember I told you that from the time I was a teenager, me and one of my former friends used to say, we can't wait to sit on somebody's leather couch and talk about how bad our lives are and blame our parents, right, for the shitty job they did. <laughs> like, we've, like, I remember talking about it. Right, right. But I think it starts at the core of what we were talking about last time, which is, I mean, people say this all the time. You can't love someone until you love yourself. And it's true. But you certainly can't advocate or heal or work with someone else if you haven't done that on yourself. Like, you broke your toe recently. I broke mine this year, too. But I'm thinking specifically of, like, uh, I had a friend call and their son broke their femur. Like, oh, I know. So imagine like a really deep core wound like that. And that's a big one that takes a long time to heal. Okay. And a lot of us have that kind of damage in our past, whether we're, we recognize it or not. So let's imagine we have a broken femur that has healed incorrectly. Okay. You're probably not going to be able to run any marathons or sprints. Maybe stairs give you problems. You can't really do the work that you need to do until you've done it on yourself. And that's a really hard lesson to learn because I think if we see ourselves as helpers or people that are nice or kind or, or however we embody the goodness in ourselves, we just want to get out there and do something. But the problem is if you do that and you haven't done the work on yourself, you're going to be asking for that outside validation and you'll never feel fulfilled. You have to feel fulfilled within yourself first. So that it won't matter if somebody calls you something because you'll know inherently whether or not that's true. Because the relationship with yourself is the most important. So do you think we've answered that first question? I do, but like as you were talking just now, or I do and, and the other thing is, this is what I think. And tell me what you think about this. Okay. Okay. Back to, and I don't want to name any quack. TV doctors, but this reminds me of something that a doctor used to say in the 80s, and it was that quote, hurting people, quote, hurts people, but what you made me think of when you said about not having done that work on yourself is the other piece is the harm that gets caused. So black people, right, and black women specifically, it's like, hey, listen, if I don't know, I don't know that your life is messed up or that you haven't done your work on yourself, all I know is that you're causing me harm. I don't know the whys, the wheres, the ins and outs of it, but I know every other day you're saying something problematic. Or we work on a job together and, you know, the anniversary of Trayvon Martin and you talking about, why you look so sad today? And you and I want to say, bitch, why are you asking me that? Pay right? attention. Right. Pay right. attention. Right? And so, and so 
the harm. And I and so I think that's where I mean, and even if we use that as an example, right? Anniversary of Trayvon Martin's death or his birthday, right? Um, or whatever. By you thinking a person is a friend, even if they're like just a work person that you kind of like and you think they're a friend, right? I think there is an inherent expectation, reasonable or not, right? That if you think a person knows you a little or gets you or cares about you or at least sees you, that they might have a little sensitivity around certain things. And it's funny because I didn't think about this till just now, but the day of Kyle Rittenhouse, um, you know, and I did a whole lot of reading after the fact around the very specific law about self-defense. And so I do understand the verdict. Do I like it? Absolutely not. But do I understand how it came about? Yes, I do understand how it came about. But I only got a couple of text messages from white people that day, right? Regardless, or the week at or within the week after it. And even if I think about some of the other things, right? Um, whether it's a, a a shooting, you know, in a school or whatever, right? We are so um it's like desensitized and that is another place where the harm comes in. Right. Because outside of yourself. And so like, I'm just like, there's all these different things. Right. And so it's just as harmful for somebody not to, like, if I were to go into, to, to an office on, on Trayvon Martin's birthday and somebody were to be acting cheerful or showing me pictures of the kids at a playground or some shit, I would be like, and of course, I wouldn't be able to say anything or or whatever, right? I just have to suck it up, be resilient, be strong, hang in there, and and deal with it. Yes, there's so much there, and I was taking notes. Um, and I want to say thank you for bringing that up. I know that that's that's a lot, and white-bodied people pay attention. Um, but there's two things in particular that I really want to call out with what you did, and the first is that this work is not formulaic. This was a conversation that you and I had. Um, And you made me think of it when you were talking about how you could just walk into like a dentist office or an optometrist, whatever it is, and they would just be all cheerful and like reacting to you. What we have to understand is the work of anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-homophobia, whatever it is that we're doing is about people, not process. There is not a done. There is not a one size fits all. You can't just do A plus B plus C plus D equals E. And then it's and then it's that way. And you know this because you know it inherently. So like you gave the example of the optometrist office. I think the example I gave on our voice memo was, let's just say like I rode the elevator with somebody like every day, just part of the routine. And every day they got on the elevator, they said, hi, I said, hi back. We went about our day. But let's just say there's an important event like this that's really upsetting. And they say hi, and I don't say hi back. We have to understand and recognize that not everything's about us and that doing things the same way isn't always the best way to do it. Sometimes it takes a deeper understanding and really coming from within. And the other thing you talked about was how harmful it can be. And this is why it's so important to do the work. Um, you and I both have therapy on Thursdays at the exact same time, which was complete happenstance, (laughs) but I feel really good about it because then we can talk about it afterwards. I feel like for me, and again, I am speaking from my experience. 
um, I was caught up in so much pain and trauma from my past that I was disassociating. And so I feel like I'm probably not the only one. So if you feel like there's a piece of you that's missing that just doesn't react to something, that's probably a deeper indication that there's something else going on that you need to work on. There's a healing there that needs to occur because if it doesn't affect you when Vonda says, this particular date is upsetting to me, or you don't understand why that could be upsetting, then there's probably something that's not clicking inside. And there's a lot of pain that you need to get out too. But yeah, healing yourself, like therapy, all of that, um, it's a good place to start. And we note that it is not cheap or easy to get a hold of somebody, especially now in a pandemic. Um, and again, because you're a person, it's not formulaic. So you're going to have to find out what works for you. And this is part of that process of understanding yourself and having that relationship with yourself. And to the point about, you know, therapy, not being easy to find, not being easy to find culturally uh, sensitive and culturally trained, you know, therapeutic professionals is an issue. And that, you know, speaks to our healthcare system and everything else, right? Um, that need to change drastically, right? Um, and there's a whole bunch of people out there, you know, trying to do that work, but that's another area, right? Case in point that make things so challenging. So fortunately, you know, there are some resources, um, you know, available to get a little bit, but when you don't have that, right? One of the things that we talked about, and maybe we can tie this into the people over process and the, you know, and, and not, not being as formulaic is if you're thinking about, right. Um, not only who are you outside of the people, you know, that, that you love and that you're in that circle, but from the standpoint of who you want to be, not thinking Mm. about it in a meritocracy type of checklist, Mm. type of climb the ladder way, but think about who you want to be as a person. What kind of person do you want to be? Like I always, I don't know if I told you this, I may have my grandmother, um, her name is Gwendolyn, but everybody called her Gwen. Um, and we called her Grim, um, like G-R-E-M, like Grim, Grimmom, right? Grimmom, right? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, um, and she, um, so I, I spent a lot, of, a lot of time with her and she used to watch soap operas. So I used to watch soap operas, right? And I used to watch the doctors and the lawyers and it, everybody was either a doctor, a lawyer, they was a CEO or a judge, right? It was yes. maybe one cop, one mayor and a dentist and something. Yeah, but that's basically- Right. One of the, right. That's it. Right. Yeah. So when I used to watch watch soap operas as a little little girl, four or five six years old, right, watching grown up soap operas, I used to think, I yeah, I want to have a nice house so I can invite people over, but I there was nothing else that I wanted to climb. Like I wanted to um, be a fun person that can have fun and be around fun people and do stuff. Like so, like for me, and I don't know if that's a product of being in a house that wasn't fun. So my whole, like everything I wanted outside of home was I wanted fun. So I didn't have a thing in my mind about somebody needs to approve this or that because I thought a lot of people around me were wasting their talent, wasting their time and definitely wasting resources. Cause I told you, I grew up in the middle upper class family. So I'm like, y'all got money. Why aren't you doing something with it? That is 
good for either yourself or for the world, whatever, right? So I just always wanted to be, um, I, you know, I wanted to travel and I wanted to know and have people. I wanted to report the news around the world. Like when I think back to the stuff I wanted to do, right? And now, however many years later, I'm doing everything that I want to do. But I always knew that because of the environment I was in, the people's approval around me, I didn't really care. And so, I mean, and I don't know, did I ever tell you, I, <laughs> I was a very early cursor. Like literally I was cursing <laughs> before I went to first grade. And That's I remember, amazing. yeah, I used to get smacked in the face. Like I probably have been smacked in my face a thousand times over my lifetime, seriously. And that's not good. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, yeah. right. It's, it's very abusive and harmful, but I used to just say stuff because I would just say what I thought and it was never necessarily wrong. And then when I saw that me cursing upset people, it made me want to do it because I was like, it's just a word. <laughs> What's the big deal? It's yeah, just a no, word. Right, right. You can say it. Why can't I say it? And I'm not saying it inappropriately. I'm saying it in a Samuel Jackson kind of a way. Right. And so, <laughs> and, and when I think about when you said earlier, how you pick up some of the things I'm saying, and we had the whole MF conversation, right. Uh, and, and he's not the only one that, that talks about, you know, using that as like, a middle name and it's like powerful nice. and it's great. Right. Cause some more talks about it and different comedians talk about it. It's okay. Right. To be who you are. Even if you're, even if other people don't approve of it. Yeah. Now you can't be doing all kinds of things. Like if you're under 21, no, you shouldn't be, you know, using cannabis, even if it is legal as an example. Right. right. Uh, you don't want to be, uh, using your workplace computer to do your personal gig work. Uh, right? So it's right. things like, this is not the stuff we're talking about. We're talking about approval in terms of who you are and living that for yourself as we talk about in this whole anti-racism space and the equity space and the belonging space, right? About bringing who you are authentically in whatever spaces that you go, including relationships, friendships, work, relationships or personal yes because the outside of that the other side of that is if you're not showing up authentically if you don't get to be yourself in those situations you will eventually self-hate your way into even more misery and anger and you won't understand where it's coming from because you're denying a core part of who you are but whether you realize it or not you segue perfectly into that second question which was who would you be if you didn't care about their approval and it's not just, as you pointed out so perfectly, it's not just the approval of the people that you love or that love you. It's the approval of the of society at large, corporations, et cetera. I haven't been around for more than 34 and a half years. So this is just from my personal experience. But I will tell you, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized there's no idea that you have that hasn't already been thought of. There's no feeling that you felt that hasn't been felt by someone else. So if you are feeling like unempowered, uninspired, chances are you're not alone. And that's okay. That's a starting place. And that's the best place to be when you're on this journey. Um, but showing up as yourself, I will tell you, now that I'm starting to do it more, as I have been over the past half decade, you walk away with a lot more joy. You walk away from your interactions with your cup being filled. And that is 
has been a new experience for me in the later part of my life. Cause you talked about inherently always knowing who you were and you kept that with you. And I think that speaks to your strength and resilience as an individual. I didn't have that. And I think part of that was the environment that I grew up in, but part of that was I cared so much about what other people thought that I straightened my hair, even though I hated doing it because it took me an hour because I was so awkward with it and it never turned out the way I thought I was going to, to do it. I tried wearing heels for a bit. I hate heels. I much prefer high tops. Um, so there are things that you can do in ways that you want to do them, to your point, to be professional, but to still show up as yourself. Do you prefer green over blue? Wear green. Do you want to buzz cut your hair? Same. It's going to be months from now, but also me. Um, so there's so many ways that you can show up as yourself and take away that edge and to learn about yourself. And once you do, you realize how deeply other people need that feeling too. And that's when you can start moving about in the world. I accidentally posted a link before I posted the two questions, but it's a really good link if you're a white-bodied person still going through this journey, figuring it out, because it talks about that healing process and how you need to start here before you push out there. So you just said something that was so good. And I don't know if we've talked about it. So for those of you, um, if you're hearing this, us talk together for the first time, um, Alyssa and I are launching um, another um, project and it's called Opposites of Press. And it's a podcast and a community. But one of the things that um, is coming up when we think and talk about, right, relationships and, and how they get built um, and, and our foundations, right? You said something key. You said that you were always worried about what people thought about you, yes. right? And so your responses and your reactions were based on people, what people thought. Me, mine was what people did to me, Ooh, which, guided, which guided what I did and guided my actions, right? So I used to, and, and I, and this, you know, we had this conversation earlier um, about, you know, knowing who you are and knowing your stuff and knowing what you're about, right? So this is one of my things where I know this is my thing and this is like years in the making of, of, of healing and working through it. So I know that I had this thing when I was younger and I still do it where I react in a calculated way based on how much harm I think is going to happen to me. And I have always done that. And I think that's from growing up in a harmful house, right? And so it's like, okay, if I do this, go this way, I can avoid this thing. But mm. if I go ahead and do it, okay, I know what the potential consequence is going to be. And if I've already made it through it before, eh, I could probably do it again. I'm not going to die from it. It'll be fine. But I'm making choices based on what people can do or what they have done, not what they think. Because I always walk away or, or enter the conversations or enter space like I know who I am. So even on the, the voice memo we talked about earlier, right? And, and, and you said, um, oh, I can't remember the way you said it. But we were talking about, you can say it for yourself. But we, okay. it, it, it was around... Um, uh, it, it was around that thought, knowing who, around 
being more concerned about what people think about you as an individual and that being those group of people who you care about their approval. I didn't care about people's approval in terms of thought. I only cared about, okay, is this person going to whip my ass and it'd be too like detrimental. And I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. and so, and so I didn't care about what they thought because I knew a person that would physically harm me or harm me in any other way doesn't really care about me. So I don't give a daggone about their approval anyway. So that's why I wanted to kind of take that thought versus did thing because I'm yeah. wondering if people who are listening to us here or maybe, you know, later and if they hear us having conversations in other places, what that would be like, right, to think through, you know, when we respond to things, whether we're at work, whether in a one-on-one relationship, whether whatever, are we responding based on our concerns around what people think or what they can do to us. And this segues into, and this is deep. And, you know, so I'm a big person. I, You know, I don't know if it's a good or bad to read a whole bunch of books. I don't really know. But <laughs> this is making me think about uh, John Graham's book, Plantation Theory, right? Because mm -hmm. he talks about the struggle of the Black professional. So let me get it 100% correct. Yes. Okay. The, the title of the book is Plantation Theory, The Black Professional's Struggle Between Freedom and Security by John Graham. I think he is great. Um, and one of the things, the, the one of the underlying things that he talks about in the book, right, is that conundrum, is that struggle, right? And so if you're struggling between trying to be worried about people's approval of you, what they think, versus what you know is the right thing, yep. right? Yep. That is indeed a conundrum and it's hard and it's going to be harder if you don't know who you are yourself and really right. be deeply rooted in that, right? And I yes. am going to have John Graham on. Um, I didn't get a chance to get it worked out for this year, but hopefully in January I'm going to um, do that because this book is amazing. And what it does for me... And I think what it'll do for other people, regardless of your, um, you know, particular role in a company or whether you are the white body person or other, it, it helps you understand what that um, struggle is when you're trying to balance, right, your values and your needs. Because yeah. if you can't make your values and your needs sync up, you're going to always feel some kind of way, right? Yep. yep. So think about people who work at jobs they hate. People oh, that stay yeah. in marriages that or relationships that they hate, whether it's a friendship or otherwise. I think I told you about a friend that I had who was cheating on her husband. And you she did. like yes. set me up on lies and stuff that she didn't even tell me about, making me look bad. And I'm like, I can't, I can't mess with you. Right, right. There's so much about what you said there. And I think I, I want to start by calling out, it is a privilege to try to manage the thoughts of people around you rather than the actions. And I think that's something that needs to, yes, yes. Because if I'm not worried about what they can do to me, merely what they think about me, that's something that is key. Um, so I don't want to lose sight of that in everything that you said, because I think that that's important. But secondarily, 
if you go to therapy, you might hear something along the lines of this, and it's true. You can't control what people think about you. So it's quite literally a futile effort. And you're just going to drive yourself mad. So worry about honoring yourself. And I think that's, that is the key difference between how I was raised and socialized and how you were raised and socialized. You were raised to be you. I was raised to be what people thought I should be, not who I was. And it's the work of undoing that that is very difficult. I mean, there's, there's moments I've called you before and I'm just like, oh my God, how do I do this? <laughs> and we've kind of worked through some of these things before. Um, and it's never done. There is not, I think we're such a results-based system and society to say, oh, well, what does done look like? What does good look like? And then we just rush to get there. But we're not sprinting, certainly not on a broken femur. If we can do a call back to like the healing that we need to do on ourselves, this is a marathon at best. But frankly, it should be a leisurely stroll because we should be present in all of the moments where we're undoing the bits of ourselves that need to be undone and learning them and thanking them for what they taught us. I think that has been a key in unlocking my own authenticity is understanding that a lot of what I did, I was socialized to do and and or was a survival mechanism for me. And so I can sit here and bemoan the things that I've done. Um, and I can sit here and be upset at how I didn't show up for myself, or I can thank my life for that part and the lesson it taught me and say, how do I do better moving forward? But I think the key to a lot of this, if you see a little bit of yourself in me or in my story is if you're having that conversation with someone who you're desperately trying to impress or whose opinion you do really care about, I think the simple question you can ask yourself is why? Honestly, and let it hang for a minute and go, why do I care? And then if it's simply because they sit in a role that you really care about impressing, that's not reason enough to override your own wants, needs, security, safety, and authenticity, in my opinion. What do you think? I mean, yeah, because when I think about people who I didn't respect, like even as a child, why didn't I respect them? Because their behavior, their actions demonstrated people without integrity, without morals, without ethics, without honesty. I mean, you know, and and so what's interesting is and we talk about it, you know, like a lot in our, you know, in our in our show in in opposites of press. But like the 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 amount of um, of gaslighting and the amount of just emotional gymnastics that you have to do when you're in these kind of situations. But if you're looking at the people and you saying, okay, this person is doing this, this person is doing that. Why would, why would you care about what they think? Just because you should. My thing is, you know, you see who people, what people are about, right. Based on their actions, how they treat you most importantly, but how they treat themselves and others. So you, and, and I think for me, it wasn't really until probably within maybe the last 10 or 15 years that I started understanding that people who do horrible things to other people are jacked up. I just thought the people were jacked up, like, like were doing jacked up things as opposed to they had a different level of jacked upness about who they are. 
Because when I look at my own life, and you and I have talked about this, I mean, I didn't choose to um, uh, execute the same behaviors onto other people that got executed onto me. I would never, right? Because it was horrible. And so when I think about all of the people who unintentionally harm, right? Yeah. Because I don't believe that people just walk around saying, I want to be oblivious and I'm going to just be harming people left and right. Because I don't, I definitely don't believe that, right? And so yeah. when you think about how it plays itself out and you think about the really key thing you said about being present, right? And being in that moment so that if the connection is there, right? You're not worrying about trying to seek anything because you're just being who you are. Me and you right now, this is how we talk every day, all yes. the time. Maybe a smidge less profanity, right? But like, <laughs> this is literally how we talk, right? And so, right. and so it's, it's, it's our authentic, natural, truest selves because we can be that way. Because, and, and, and we know that, like, like we talked about earlier, if there's some, Whatever, like I say, I know, I, I feel like we talked about getting to know ourselves, right? And knowing ourselves. And I said, I think I know of myself, I think I know 60, maybe even 70% of my little, like, my traps. Meaning, like, my mental games that I play with myself because of my conditioning, you know, terrible things I learned as a kid. Because I told you, you know, uh, white people don't have the lock on racism, okay? Black people learn racism. Everybody that grows up in America, we all learn racism. And it's just a matter of how it plays out in our own lives. But we all learn it. And I remember learning horrible things. And and I remember, you know, like I, we talked about, like, in the 70s, right, we had slurs for everything. Now you can't say those words, but they might be words that's part of when I talk, right? So if I'm saying something, I'll say, oh, this is how we used to say it. But, ooh, is that... Da, da, da. Or like we we were talking about little sayings that we know are indigenous related sayings. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like that could be violent. That's, and so even yep. though I learned some things that were racist, some things that were, you know, dumb, <laughs> just for lack of a better word, that doesn't mean that now I can't make new choices in the present. Right. right. To 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 be um, who I want to be without. And I don't give two craps right, about people's approval, right, um, in terms of, like, individual people, I, I care about my relationships with people. And so I know if I'm in a relationship with people, they're not approving me, and I ain't approving them. We just being, right? And it makes me think of, um, did I ever ask you, have you seen a movie, Queen and Slim? You have asked me. I have not seen it yet. Okay, it it's a beautiful movie. You and Kevin should watch it together. It's a little sad at the end, but it's a beautiful movie. Because it's like, I don't want to give it away. Because it's just a beautiful movie. Bring the movie, tissues, but... is that what you're saying? Bring the tissues? Oh, yeah. Bring the <laughs> tissues. For real, bring the tissues. And extra water because you will, you need to be hydrated. It's a really good movie. But there's a part in the movie, you know, where the main um, two characters are talking. And, you know, uh, he says, how come black people can't just be? Why can't we just be? Right. Like, like, cause she's, she's saying she's a lawyer and he says, oh, are you a good lawyer? <laughs> and she says, I'm an excellent, an excellent lawyer. Like, fucking, yeah, of course I'm an excellent lawyer. Right. But he's like, why can't you just be, why you gotta be excellent? Why do black people have to be excellent at everything? Why can't yes. we just be, you know what yes. I mean? Like, like, and, and everybody should be able to just be. Yes. Yes. And that's why we're doing the work. I think that is so, 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 so key because I think. 
if you're a white body person and you've started on this work, I think a lot of us start on it before we start on ourselves. And so we, we say to ourselves, oh, because it's the right thing to do, but we don't inherently understand the why because we don't know how it feels to know ourselves yet. So I think that's, that's why we're having this broader conversation and it's not just about like, can white women and black women be friends? The answer is yes, but it requires effort and work and understanding of the true why, which is this is for all of us so that we can just be. It's not just because it's the right thing to do. It's not just because it's cost effective from a business standpoint. Both of those things are true, but the real thing is because we should all just get to be and not have to be the expectation of so-and-so or the image of so of somebody else. And I think the other thing that you talked about that was so key, because I hear this a lot and I hear it from people my parents' age and older is, well, that wasn't a problem when we said it when we were younger, or why is it a problem now? Like, you know what I mean? Like this happens a lot. And I would just say, how many other things over the course of time, if we look back on civilization, have we learned were wrong inherently, and then we adjusted for it. At one point, we thought the entire universe revolved around the earth. We know that's not true. So now we have charts that reflect that. And it really is that simple. It, we've learned that this is wrong. So now we adjust for it. And that's okay. It's okay that you were socialized that way. Forgive yourself for that and learn to do better. Right. And I, yeah. And I think the other part is like, I feel like you as an individual person, if you're an adult, especially if you're self-sufficient and I'm, you know, not for people who are not, you know, um, independent people. Right. Meaning they can take care of themselves. I don't mean other people. Right. Um, there's different ways that I think about. You can think around knowing yourself and honoring yourself regardless of your um, dependency status, your role, your income, whatever. You can always, I feel like, have a place in your mind, <laughs> right, to go where that's where you know who you really are. And you can look in the face of people that may be insulting you or trying to degrade you or people that are misinformed and confused, right, because of the messages that we consistently get because of, you know, the echo chambers that we stay in because we stay around those same people and because our focus is on their approval as opposed to living out our own best and true selves and who we are. And the fact that all of that, none of that is because of anything we've done. Anybody here alive right now on the earth has done to set these systems up, right? I mean, maybe some couple old hundred year old people, yes. but yeah. we've maintained them, right? We've maintained them, and and but we can still find those places and have those those things where we say, you know what? Here's what I know about myself, and regardless of the stories I'm being told, and even what I'm telling myself, um, I can unlearn things that were harmful to others as well as myself and I can learn some new things and it's okay if everybody in my current circle doesn't approve because the way I look at myself right and I think about this when it comes to my time um and I think about this when it comes to people with whom I am going to engage in a relationship and I have a whole thing about beginnings and I love the end of the year because I love a new year I love Saturday because I love Sunday and Monday because the beginning of a new week 
And for me, when I think about, you know, 2022, I think this is a good time for people to think about it's okay to do something different. It's okay to go into a new year saying (laughs) new year, new me, right? (laughs) One of those memes or whatever, right? To say that and, and mean it. And to set up boundaries for yourself, right? When it comes to your family, when it comes to your coworkers, it's okay to set up intentionality for yourself when it comes to how you're going to honor those boundaries and yourself. And you really need to just do it. And and you can do it. And you can start with some small things. So I want you to, you know, let's let's give people some small things, right? That they can do that maybe they start kind of up here, you know, to help people start thinking about, okay, yeah, you're right. I don't, you know, know myself that way. We didn't even talk about this, but that's exactly where I was going next, is like, how do you show up for yourself? You know, because that's so, so, so key. And it's so hard to do because it is a habit you have to form, right? Like you can't just one day go, oh, I care about myself now. And then everything magically gets better from there. You have to work at it because a relationship with yourself is in many ways, a relationship like somebody else, you have to cultivate it. You have to build it. You have to take time out to be like, you know what? I don't need to send this text. Or instead of spending the next 20 minutes on Instagram, maybe I can do yoga, meditate. Maybe I can sit and just do nothing for a second. It's about paying attention to your body and knowing like, I'm overwhelmed right now. The work will still be here when I get back. But something I left you on the voice memo that I think helped me a ton was something that I did this year And it's still something that I reflect back on. And I'll probably do a new one at the start of 2022 to kind of like realign myself. And that is, I got out a blank piece of paper and I wrote down, who am I? Like, what do I believe in? What are my values? What do I care about? And how do I prioritize that? I think that's so key. Because I think as a recovering people pleaser, as somebody that just loves to show up for other people. It's so easy to get caught in that game of somebody calls you and say, hey, can you help me do this? Can you help me do this? And even if they don't feel like big things, you end up going, sure, sure, sure. And then by the time you get to them, you're like, because you've drained yourself because it doesn't align with what you wanted to do. So if you can create a clear picture of who Alyssa is, who Vonda is, and you know it, Then if somebody says, hey, do you want to do this? You can reflect back and go, you know, that's not one of my priorities. So no, just like that's how you and I met is we both share a very strong priority for this work. And so when you and I got, I think we got to the podcast at the same moment in time, but had either of us asked the other one, I know what the answer would have been, obviously. So it was very easy for us to say yes because we knew it aligned with who we were as people. So if you're gonna do nothing else, just spend time with yourself, figure it out, go on a walk, take pictures, do what you wanna do, um, and spend some time getting to know the person that is you because they're probably pretty great. You made me think about, I think I sent this song to you. Did I send you a private party by India Irie before? So, that's one of my like favorite, uh, all of her albums, her first two albums, one was like a volume one and two, and then she did another one, I don't remember it was two volumes, that was like, she gives you kind of like a roadmap 
to help to do that for yourself. But she says, you know, I'm having a private party. Nobody here but me, my angels, and my guitar, right? Singing, baby, look how far we come. And then she, like, basically, you know, says what she going to do, right? And she says, I'm going to stand in front of the mirror. I'm going to take off my clothes. We're going to heal the disconnection. I'm going to, you know, love me and realize that I'm created, you know, in beauty and wonder, you know, in that, in that whole thing. And I think, you know, um, all human beings, you know, I, I believe that's who we all are, you know, inherently and innately. I believe that we're all valuable and beautiful and, 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 and have all of that. And at the same time, we also have real life experiences that cover the full gamut of human experience. And then in America, especially in America, right? Those experiences and something you said at the very beginning about, you know, the privilege of being able to worry about people's thoughts over their deeds and actions, right? And so you think about people who walk around in white bodies who have the privilege of like, like today when I was driving, this lady just walked out the street and held her hand out and the cars just stopped. And I'm like, when I go to a stop, like not only am I looking, 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 <laughs> I'm trying to get eye contact with a person like, please don't hit me. And then I'm basically running across the street unless I'm with a white person. Then we like this. And then I'm like, okay, I feel good now. Right. And think <laughs> about the difference in that. Right. Why? Why should one lady be able to be like, I'm walking across the street and Vonda's like, please don't hit me. Right. Because I'm not worried about what people think about. I got on a bright red jacket yeah. or I got on a black, you know, cute little hat today. I'm worried about somebody going to run me over because they don't think that I matter or they think I shouldn't be walking across the street or they think I should be going back to Africa or whatever things people have been socialized and taught to believe and to think right about different people and about black people. And so, you know, asking that question of who am I? Yep. What yep. do I care about? What's important to me? And then living that out. And so if you are so tied up into what people think about you, I don't know how you could live out what's you important. Can't. Could you? You can't. No, because you're not superhuman. And like people can multitask, but not that well and not for a sustained amount of time. And I think that story that you told, first of all, thank you for sharing. But second, secondly, I think it's so important to highlight the fact that that's why it's important to be aware and to be present in the moment instead of rushing to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing, because then you miss things like that. And for people that are like, man, I wish that somebody could just follow me around and tell me everything that I'm missing or show me those gaps that I have. That's how you do it. You just spend the time to think about it. You spend the time to sit at a stoplight and go, how would this feel if I were this, if I were this, if I were somebody else, and that's how you can start to understand and relate. But again, the work starts with you first. And I want to pull this back to the interracial sisterhood, because that's how you and I met. And that is, you specifically called out when we were talking about it. There was a questionnaire as kind of like that fail safe of like, not everybody's ready for this. There was a recognition of that. And part of that recognition was whether or not somebody knew themselves. And that was what you were telling me. Do you remember? Uh, 
I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but. yeah, and so, um, so the interracial sisterhood coalition was an, uh, an effort that we started. Um, it was uh, Karen Fleshman's brainchild. Hopefully, um, if you are not following her on LinkedIn, you need to. Um, yes. But what we did was, um, you know, so we we did this amazing thing um, this this fall. We had our first um, cohort of an interracial sisterhood, and out of it. You know, just came. I think these amazing connections, these amazing relationships, but some amazing learning, and and through it, um, it, it just it, it's it's a lot. I mean, it was so much from the yeah. standpoint of just getting um, connected and close with strangers, right? just out of that um that 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 understanding of knowing who we are from the standpoint of we all want to do this we know that the key right to really healing what's happening in our world is coming together we know the power of interracial sisterhood we know the power of the divine feminine we know that power of of women coming together right and not like oh erasing blackness erasing you know anything or, or saying you know people's experiences and backgrounds aren't valid but coming to the table knowing who you are and that you care about this so much that you can enter into it without trying to be the main character without centering yourself without trying to say I have an agenda other than I want to see what this is. Like, like back to the question of can white women and black women truly be friends, right? There's only 6% of black women even in the United States, right? So it's a little small number. And many of us, like myself, have a trail of white women relationships <laughs> and bad, you know, relationships that we're like, we don't, we feel like, some people feel like, no, we can't be friends and here's why. But, right, not only are we, like, actually living that out, right, and helping people, but we know that it's possible because you do have to do that work on yourself. And so in that application, we ask people, you know, like, you know, where, where are you kind of, like, in terms of your head and, and the work you've done? And you could tell when people haven't worked on themselves because they're credentialing, right? They're saying, oh, I know this person, or I went to this thing, and I did that, or, oh, my best friend is black. And you're like, come on. That's so 1999, if you're still saying that, by the way, everybody, right? Um, including some Canadian man I met on a plane. I told you he was telling me how his best friend is black and he's a doctor and his two kids are black and they go to Harvard and one of them is like, and I'm just like, that doesn't prove anything, right? It's, it's literally nothing. But looking at who you are, right? Your own values and saying, you know, where do I want to go? But there's no final destination. I just know that I want to see peace. I, I know what I know is I don't want to die in 50 years from now and everybody's still wearing masks and people are still saying, no, all lives matter. And like, I, like, I can't go down like that. You know what I mean? And, 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 and you know, and so we all have to do our part, right? And this is, this is part of the work. It is part of the work. It is. So this holiday season, the best gift you can put under that tree for yourself is showing up for yourself, getting to know yourself. I, I know it's tough. 
Um, I've been doing the work for the better part of a decade now. And it's still, there's still moments where I lose sight of it because there's a moment where somebody says something and it kind of makes you go, oh, is that really it? But like I said in, in the voice memo, if somebody told me now some of those things that I would have heard, you know, years ago and said, you're this, I now know what I am and who I am to myself. And if that doesn't align, then I can say, I'm sorry you think that, but you're wrong. And being that sure of yourself allows you to set boundaries, which we talked about last time. And it allows you to not just advocate for who you are, but for who other people are as well. And that is the key to this work, um, is the relationship piece and showing up for both that other person and yourself. There have been times in our relationship where either I needed a minute or you needed a minute and we honored that and said, please go rest. We'll be here when you get back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's, that's it, right? I mean, showing up for yourself. So I want to encourage, you know, this is a perfect, you know, way to close out, you know, um, this, this part of the conversation is to show up for yourself. Right. And think about, you can't, it's, it, you know, anybody taking a trip, right? My friends, they just got to Texas all safe and sound. So I'll see y'all next week. Um, but, you know, you know how the, 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 the flight instructions are put on your own mask before you put on others, right? So for those aspiring allies out there, I saw a person today. I just got to say this real quick. I clicked on LinkedIn today and I saw a person. Uh, they came up on my feed. They had their profile picture, right? And in the uh, banner... It's that ally. Do I need to tell you the gender or body body skin the person is wearing? <laughs> you know? no. And so I thought to myself, I said, wow. But I say all that to say, um, this is a perfect opportunity to sit with yourself. So as you trying to think about, oh, last minute commercialism and them telling you the supply chain is this and that. Everybody got all the stuff you wanted. If you were a, a shopper, you know you was able to get the stuff. You had the stuff. What you can do now, the next seven days, six shopping days or whatever, I don't even know. Uh, what you can do is give yourself the gift of introspection, mm. of quiet. Like I'm, I'm thinking of some of my, my mom friends that I used to have, you know, on the East Coast that have a bunch of kids. Like this is a day you need to say, go in the bathroom close the door, lock it, get you some candles, some sage. I don't care. Even a glass of wine, some beautiful mineral water and take yourself a shower or a bath, do a facial or something. Everybody do that for yourself. Take yourself some time away and be with yourself and get that gift of introspection and do something with it so that when you know, um, you, you know, the first of the new year comes, you can ask yourself, okay, now what do I want to do now? And then you can start to work towards that. What you think, E? I love it, B. <laughs> I love right. it. And I love you. Thanks for the I time love you today. too. I love you too. Um, this is great. I, like I said to everyone, thanks for, uh, for joining in. Um, and we will see you sometime soon on the new group chat. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Alyssa.